Yes. Uh, we'll do that now. Oh, now you're just talking over the intro. He's talking over the intro. I called timeout. You well, you you didn't say that you were starting the pod. You just said you were the, you were yelling at me or something. I don't know. Timeout on the field. <laughs> Welcome everyone to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that earns its stripes this week. Uh, it's our namesake episode, my friends. The season is over, and the intro to this podcast went about as well as portions of that game. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, like Brandon Bean, the GM, I'd like to take a little bit of blame for the intro there. It, that was definitely a bit my fault, as I was not extra clear to Scott, as I both gave him a commandment to turn off his camera and started the podcast. Uh, that wasn't really fair on my end. And I've got to get Scott more help, uh, you know, if, if he's going to succeed, because he does some things well and he does some things that, you know, he could do better. And Paul will not be on the team next year. No, right. no, I'm I've gone the route of uh, Robert Foster, basically. I'm the Robert Foster of the pod. A lot of I, potential, looked great, you know, in my younger days, and uh, very quickly just forgotten as soon as I rose to prominence. There's a new hot thing, and and everyone's very excited. I uh, I don't want to talk about this game. I'm upset. Yeah, we postponed this pod like tour as long as we could this week until Frank finally texted us yesterday. Like, we really need to pod. And it's like, but do we do we really need to talk about this game? It's just reliving pain. I do that enough in my day to day. True. Um, The so if you don't know, why wouldn't you not know the the Buffalo Bills lost a football game to the the Houston Texans in Houston. Uh, It was the wild card round of the playoff. They lost lost it 22 to 19 in overtime. A rare overtime playoff game. Um, Buffalo had a command. I don't want to call it a commanding lead because they blew it. Um, but they had a lead. They had a strong lead. Then they 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 lost. They they lost the lead. They came back to tie it miraculously, uh, only to fall in overtime. Um, and I think you were fine saying commanding because I believe did I read that Bill O'Brien had never come back from a 16 point deficit in his yeah the, the Texans had not yeah like, yeah the Texans that, that yeah. was flashed up uh, the win probability. I think it depends on where you go to, but I at least saw some people were saying 97%, some people were saying 94%. And I thought it was impressive how the the uh, commentary staff managed to say that stat with so much of J.J. Watt's body in their mouth as they were speaking. Um, but that's that's a complaint for a later time. We got together, we watched the game in a bar. Uh, I, I'd like to get. I thought Astro Beer Hall was very nice in Washington D.C. Our our yeah. bartender Chris was good. Um, there were some Patriots fans and some Texans fans, but I I, I wasn't a Broncos old. fan, a, a a Maryland fan, a Bruins fan. It a takes Denver all kinds. And remember, there was like that yeah, kid yeah. Yeah. football shirts on. He was he was something else. Um, some people who were clearly there before a show and not football fans at all. Yeah, that that was. It, over the summer, maybe we'll fully dissect what we think was happening at that <laughs> with that couple. With that yeah. couple, uh, there was there a, a lot the, of layers there. She was, you know, she might have been a a full Judy Greer on the, <laughs> which, which is good for a non TV, yeah, personality. I, I mean, value so, over replacement, um, you know. Yeah, uh, you have to go back to like season three to understand what that means of this yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, and I'd like to say that we had fun. I felt like that's that's a game that we had fun watching. Oh, I know yeah. by the end, 
I was in full pace and panic mode. And we were and, all pacing. None of us were in our seats from about the five minute point of the fourth quarter on, I don't think. Your wife came and mostly for she her did, yeah. best, was the reason I told everyone I'm going to be saying a lot of things and I don't expect anyone to talk to, back to me. I just I just need to talk as I, you know, panic process. about this game. Right. As I process this game. And I know you two could understood what I was would have been doing, but I I wasn't sure how often she had been around me in in such a state. Um, but it was an intense game and it was a game they should have won. Um, and I have a couple of questions about it. But first, let's just let's just talk about the game, um, the good and the bad. And I think that there was a good mix of both. I think if you're really being sober looking at this game, you can't say it was all bad. Um, and you certainly can't say it was all good. And you can certainly say some of it was atrocious. Like there was some really bad parts of it, but I never start with these things. And, and I'm going to let Paul start um, because Paul is, uh, Paul is the person that came to my mind first, but Paul, what do you, what do you, what did you, how, how have you processed this game? And that, <laughs> Oh, we're going to talk about it. How have you processed this game in the last few days? Because it, there's a lot. This this game was a lot. Yeah, and that's the perfect question because truthfully, that's what I was going to address anyway. Uh, and when I, you know, for days thinking about this game and analyzing every little thing that could have gone differently that would have resulted in a Bills win, every little play, and I won't dissect each of those individually, you can all reference one if you want. The one that stands out to me is the the QB draw in overtime where it was Josh Allen alone with three blockers in front of him in one Texan and no one blocked the Texan. And it would have easily Lars at least been a 50. Beers uh, posted a couple of pictures of that thing. Yeah. And he's absolutely right. Like that was, yeah, that's the, that's the game. That's one yeah. of the handful of plays that was the game. Continue. He gets Sorry. down to at least, I'd say, the 24 there if a Texans player sheds a block well and tackles him. And that's 41-yard field goal, and I fully trust Hauschka with that after his clutch kick earlier. Um, and that's if they give you no more yards. But I, I feel why I was so disappointed in this game is, in my mind, they made so much progress this year, that first 10-win season in 20 years. That that first year, they clinched a playoff spot with two full weeks to go in the regular season after they did it. A clincher we got to see in person in Pittsburgh, which was phenomenal. And just what an exciting season this was and all the Josh Allen fourth quarter comebacks. But why I'm having difficulty processing it is I really felt like this was that one more step that would have made it a complete year to me was winning that first playoff game in 25 years. And this Everything with the way that game played out was exactly what I thought was going to happen, except they were going to come out victorious, whether it was 16-11 or 16-14 or 19-16. They were going to hang on to win that because that's the team we saw all year, and that drought was going to be vanquished, and then they'd go and lose to Kansas City by 21 points the next week, and that's life, and I was totally cool with that. So I think why I'm having such difficulty with this one is this is really the first time this season where I felt they didn't meet the expectation I had, because I really thought this was going to be that playoff wins, win drought snapping team. And it, it didn't happen. So before I 
ramble on for 10 minutes, I'll I'll cede the rest of my time to, to the floor. So, so Paul's biggest concern processing this game is that he was wrong on his prediction. That's, that's, yes. That's, that's Typical solipsistic having, Paul. With having, <laughs> I should have been most upset because I had the Bills winning 20 to 19. All they needed was that, that damn touchdown, and then it wouldn't matter what the. We all, we'll we get all, to that. We're gonna we're gonna highlight a handful of the the worst moments from everybody in that game. But yeah, we were, let's we let's Scott get on the way out about how even before the game, everyone's saying first one to twenty wins, and darned yeah. if they weren't right. That's exactly what this game was. Um, in terms of like how I've been processing the game, in terms of reflecting on it, it's it's very as I mentioned like the week or two before with the Pats game. Um, it was after another big Wisconsin lost where they had the game in their sights in a, not in an entirely dissimilar mode. Wisconsin was up late against Oregon in the Rose bowl and, and ended up turning over the ball for a fourth time in with about seven minutes left and giving Oregon the, the, the chance to go up, score a touchdown, which they did on the next play. And then after a series of kind of unfortunate events, including some questionable referee calls, the Badgers end up losing. And so it's impossible for me to kind of analyze the, the Bills game entirely in isolation because they were literally within three days of each other. Um, that said, so there's some, the, the biggest thing I can say is that the, what they always say is, you know, I forget who said it, but it, you know, you got to get into the tournament. That's the first, that's the first part of the NFL. That's the part of the regular season that matters is getting into the tournament. Once you get into the tournament, you get into the 12 games that decide it all, the, the, the end of the regular season, the postseason, then you can really go for the Super Bowl. And yeah, maybe your team's not great, but once you get in, all you got to do is get hot and win three, three games and you're in the Super Bowl and a fourth and you win the whole darn thing. Mm-hmm. So any chance that you get to get in there is, boy, is it important. And it's interesting for it's tough for me because you never know what the future told you know holds yeah everything seems like as i've discussed before strategically this team is going in the right direction cap space young players seemingly competent general manager seemingly competent coach i will give him competent i don't think there's i think we can call him competent at this point but that all can change pretty quick the coordinator goes somewhere else to get a head coaching job uh, somebody gets dinged on the offensive line all these stupid things can happen and so any one chance to win you know win a playoff game and get on to go on the next playoff game is so valuable and that's why it's so frustrating to see all those little things and it's kind of like once you get that 16 point lead boy you got to have like 30 things really go wrong to lose that game and literally like 29 of them happened like basically everything started going wrong simultaneously for the bills and admittedly the texans even tried to give the game away once or twice and the bills still managed to not to not get over the hump and that's that's the painful part like yeah any one play it could have gone another way and and maybe that would have been the difference um but to have them all go the wrong way and and say they go the go the wrong way you know, part of that is the Bills making mistakes. And that's that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. things that we saw there um, is is people making mistakes, people not being prepared, whatever. Um, that is all part of the um, that is part of the frustration. And, yeah, I, I'm still hopeful about the future. 
but sometimes you, you have to understand that you don't get this many chances. You know, mm-hmm. Josh Allen's rookie deal is only another two or three years away from coming up. If they want to resign him in two or three years and he's a great quarterback, it's going to really change what we can do for the rest of the team to pay him a whatever good, really good NFL quarterback base. So the, all these things are in the background as you watch an individual playoff game and an individual playoff loss. So it's, and you're not to jump in, but to your point perfectly uh, there, you never know what the future is going to hold at this time. Last year, we had eight teams left in the playoffs. And at this time this year, we have eight teams left in the playoffs. How many are the same one, one, the Kansas city chiefs are the only team who is in last year's final eight. That's in this year's final eight. That means the uh, right looking forward to Indianapolis Colts, the Los Angeles Chargers, who are supposed to be extremely well set up this year and were a preseason favorite, Dallas, and pretty much and everyone in the NFC, uh, you know, who thought who was in the final four last year, New Orleans, you know, within a bad call of being in the Super Bowl. All of these teams are done because you simply never know. And boy, like Scott said, when you get there and you lose that way, when 29 to 30 things that could go against you do, uh, it's it's tough. Yeah, I think that one thing I've really reconciled was for me was that if they played one more, like if they lost to Kansas City or Baltimore this week, I wouldn't have felt this way because I, I, I guess I think I would have believed that they had reached the limit. It, their position would have been commensurate with their good, right? Yeah, like 100%. They are this good. And anything beyond that would have been awesome and I would have been rooting for it, but it wouldn't have been shocking or or anything. It would have been deserved. It would have been here we are that they were this good. They were probably the fourth or fifth best team in the AFC. And that's that's pretty damn good considering uh, who they are and where they've been. Um, but I wasn't going to sort of feel this way. I, I, I leave this game against Houston just sort of just short of knowing that the bills are the better football team, right? Like there, there's just, and in a way, right. It's funny. Cause Paul says, this is the first time they didn't live up to expectations. And I, and I think I agree, except that I think that was exactly the bills game. <laughs> I, I think that everything they did in that game was exactly what you they didn't do it didn't look different at all from any other bills game um and the difference was they they gave up 22 instead of 16 and that really to me was the difference you had a steady ish josh allen 24 46 264 yards catches a touch you know has a, a touchdown with his legs not with not throwing you have a defense that shuts down um, a really good offense for most of the game. Um, and you had, uh, you know, actually the, if, if you had anything that was striking, it was that you had, um, uh, pretty good special teams play. You know, you had what should have been a touchdown in the, at the beginning of the second half, you had, uh, you know, Hauschka's four for four. I was ready to, if he, if they win this game in overtime on a Hauschka field goal, I was going to insist that the man made three stars. I was going to, I was <laughs> going to, I was going to fight Scott over the phone, uh, you know, going five for five. Uh, I know it's in a dome, but he also would have, you know, right. I, look I, at that I, clutch I factor on that last that, one. That's clutch. Playoff, yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, what was I trying to say? The, the, uh, so in in a lot of ways, I think that that was exactly 
the Bills game that we we are used to seeing. You know, uh, Devin Singletary looks good. An inexplicable number of carries for Frank Gore, as in anything more than one. Um, the fact that Frank Gore was on the field at all at that point in the game. In, I understand exactly. that Devin needs a spell. I get it. Can't be Frank Gore if TJ Yeldon's on the team. No. Can't be literally anybody else. It's just, it's just insane. And it, and it wasn't just a spell. There were times where, like, critical points in the game where he needs to be on there. And I'm sorry, Devin Singletary is a young guy. He needs to have the stamina to be able to, to be on the field. And so, you know, excellent, excellent offensive play calls, like the, 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 the pass to to Allen, which is like a great bit of trick, trickeration and, and some nice run designs and some uh, nice pass plays where people get open. And another situation where, you know, why not only are we throwing it to Patrick DeMarco, but why is he 47 yards down the field? And right? did you like, notice on the replay who the other deep, uh, the Bills player that was deep on that play? I forgot. I did Lee notice. Smith. Right. Why are Lee Smith and Patrick DeMarco your verticals on any pass pattern you have called? Yeah. Excellent execution by Josh Allen on a couple of ridiculous, especially the one it was either in the fourth quarter of the overtime. He's running to his right, throws back across his body on a diving pass down left. It's a beautiful pass. It's like it's one you'll remember if if they win the game and the exact same thing where uh, it's a play you'll remember if, if the ball gets kicked away, but the inexplicable attempt to lateral the ball to nobody, um, which uh, if if it gets caught, I'm sorry, if somebody else picks it up, you're talking about that as like an all-time moronic play. Like that's yeah. bigger that's than like, butt that's fumble. That's like a butt fumble, yeah. No, uh, it's bigger was... than butt. Someone, no, yeah. someone said it was Chris Weber's timeout in the fourth in the final four. Um, that, that, that would have been, that would have been appropriate. Probably. I'm trying to think of what else it would have been. It would have been, it would have been really bad. And so you look at that and you go, well, he got away with one and I'm sure that he got away with several because he tried to throw two interceptions late too, that Roby should have caught. But, and I'm sure that if you, at least with the, the, the lateral, I'm sure if you asked him, seconds before and seconds after he would have been saying that's insane i would never do that and yet in that moment he makes the choice to to do that and so, so like peter when he hears the cock crow the third time he's like oh jesus said i was gonna deny him exactly what it's like yeah no that's that's the first thing that came to my mind as it should as it should frank um i definitely invoked <laughs> jesus's name several times during this football game um and so that was that was that yeah that was the bad thing was was <laughs> Frank was reaching for that's though no, it was a really poor decision was was denouncing Jesus for that third time that was the one where it was really the first two were okay the first yeah. two were okay just, he was like right. man I can't believe I got away with that what did what what did what did Coach God think of that play well he had to see the tape first but no. um. No, so I, in in my mind, I think we got the Bills game, and I, I think the only di- I, I I look, I think the the refs kind of fucked them a little. Look, and in, in a game like this, you don't every look. I'm I don't want to like sign up for the victim blaming that the NFL is, where you say, well, we should have played better. Of course, you should have played better, but games are close. NFL games are routinely decided by one score or less, and 
the the kickoff thing at the at the half by the rule should have been a touchdown. The the block in the the black the block in the, the sorry the uh, blindside block that oh, one. Oh yeah, the Cody uh, Ford block. Yeah, the Cody Ford block was. You know, right, yeah, call the spirit of the rule. Like, you made a great point on Twitter. Like, if friend. you're going to do the spirit of the rule on the kickoff, give me yep. the spirit of the rule on that play where he's clearly, like, not being blocked on a blind side. Um, so there's a handful of times where, to me, they they got fucked by the by the refs. And it was it was a difference maker, especially if you go up if you go up 20 nothing, Like, that's different. That's almost un, unfuckable. Right. It's 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 you you get to a whole other level of, OK, well, now you can't, you know, Houston has to change how they play and it, it changes things. I mean, we got up 16, nothing and it didn't really. Right. It's still I mean, it's still I mean, it's true. But 20 is not 16 is what I, I guess my point. I and guess. The, but it seemed like, again, like the uh, OK, so the Bills really pretty much played terribly the entire second half. And I'm not I'm not really sure that that would have been a tremendous difference in how the game ended. And the other well, thing they is, had 19 is, points, right? Like they had they finished the fourth quarter with 19 points. So agreed. But that's that's, again, completely hypothetical. That's assuming the entire the assumes Houston would have played the rest of the game the same way. Obviously, they wouldn't have if the score was different. So that's an a invalid argument. Um, the, it's not I OK, think, but it's not invalid. I'm sorry. No, it's. I'm not saying that it would have played out the same way. I'm saying 20 is harder to come back on than 16. And I think that empirically that's true. Even if you believe that yes, they, that they is, that might have is done true. it. I, no, I don't deny that it would have been harder, but I also am not sure. I mean, everyone's also saying that it would have been an illegal forward pass and two points and not, not a, not a, uh, uh, not a fumble and recovered by the bills. So two points would not have been a, tremendous difference yeah I, I get that yes by definition 18 is more than 16 as well so um 18 i don't in the think ball. i don't know whatever absolutely and, I, we can all agree we don't know what exactly what would have happened and i think that the, the point i would make on that play because i mean let's let's talk about it i don't think there's any much i mean we've got plenty of things to talk about in this game this is one of them mm-hmm. um i think the challenges with that one is i would have need to have seen all of the times that the refs in in that game had called various touchbacks at various points and been like, oh, they, they, he did it different this time and, you know, forgot to do it. And then I would have could have maybe seen, you know, pointing it at him and be like, no, you did that wrong this time. You didn't do it. That would have been the thing to call him on. I can't, I can't say with any certainty that I know that's what happened because I haven't spent the time looking at the tape to figure out like what exactly he did the touchbacks on. Um, well, I, and- I have watched all 767 touchbacks this year. In the entire NFL. In the entire you, NFL. Every, that was the one. All that, doing. that was good. the only one where somebody never took a knee. Okay. Well, there you go. Or let it go out of the end zone. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so on that, so I will, I will, should I keep going on Josh Allen or should we come back to Josh Allen? I was only going to say Allen. that, like, I, I was going to say the refs did it. The Bills did it, which I feel like I already talked about. I certainly think Houston played a part in their own comeback, even though, as we said, they tried to give it back and Bill O'Brien chief offender amongst them um but the uh, there was a bit of dumb luck too i mean the the final sack the final non-sack of of deshaun watson right like he gets pinballed and and bounces back up like instead of 
if one guy hits him, he goes down. Both guys hit him and they bounce off. If either of those guys are looking for the wrap up instead of the 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 big tackle, he probably you know goes down too. But it's it's. But that's uh, also Deshaun Watson being a very good quarterback and yes. being able to shake off things and, and not. And I was gonna say I didn't notice at the bar. I don't know if you guys did. Did you know who he completed that to? Who then ran it down yeah. the field? Yeah, Taiwan Jones. Didn't notice that. I, I, know, I no I idea until I read the next day. Yeah, I was too busy going. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> Paul, did you have any thoughts on the on the uh, what call it the the kickoff thing? Yeah, I mean it was. Let's put it this way. I I want to side with. I'm gonna transition that kind of into the the whole officiating thing and I don't want to harp on officials being bad. I was certainly more okay with Frank for them logically saying this guy was clearly giving himself up. Let it, you know, let it go. I, I could have let it go easily, but then when you have the Cody Ford situation that we were talking about, where that blindside block rule is specifically in there intended to keep you from leveling a player who can't see hit coming. This is a, when the NFL showed examples of what was now banned. They used the Henry Anderson's Hauschka footage from last year. Like that's the spirit of the law. Cody Ford not only did not do that, but he barely touched the guy to the point where the guy didn't even move and it had no effect on the play. And what that segues me into is the officials called no, literally zero live action penalties on the Texans. Like not a single one, a couple dead ball fouls for a false start. And I had to delay a game in there at one point. So over a hundred some odd plays run on offense, defense, and special teams. And apparently none of the 11 Texans players on any of those plays did anything wrong. So I don't like the fact that the reason we have to talk about the officiating this game and that call in the end zone specifically is because they had chances to make that balance out and they they did not. And, and that was frustrating. And what's also noteworthy that, that I should put in on the play is if they wanted to rule it 100% correctly, the Bills could have actually benefited more because it wouldn't be a touchdown. It would be an illegal forward pass in the end zone. The ball would be blown dead and it'd be a safety. And then they'd have to kick off to the Bills. So the Bills would have had a 15 nothing lead and the ball as opposed to 20 to nothing and kicking off. Um, so that that hurts, too. So I was less upset by the play itself and more upset with the what I perceive to be uh, un in unequal uh, application in- of the imbalance right yes, in, in, imbalance. okay Way to go. okay do we want to talk about this game more or are we ready to three stars this and and move on to some bigger picture questions yeah, i mean I, I feel like there's still one. more to i feel like yeah. there's still more to unpack here All right let's talk about josh allen because frank brought up josh yeah. allen i don't i that was that was the return of bad josh allen that was he was very much there he, right. he was that second half in overtime. That was bad Josh Allen all over again. The and ultimate symbolism it was him hurdling of trying to hurdle a player like Art Bar, not Art Bar, <laughs> whatever his name was. And then he got totally just, you know, he ran into the guy's helmet with his groin and yeah. went right down. <laughs> yes, that, that was that was the Josh Allen we saw. No. Yeah, that was. And again, like. I I think we all jokingly kid about good Josh Allen and you know boy he's not 
He's not, uh, you know, it looks like Tyrod, whatever. But, you know, there were some times there where, boy, those are some really stupid decisions at a variety of spots. And he literally, it was very frustrating because he clearly, and and it was frustrating because he just didn't have the experience. And that's that's what I will mostly chalk it up to to me. And I, I feel like this is an important point. The, the stats on the, the first-time playoff quarterbacks is like three and 13 in their first starts in the last like 15, 20 years, whatever it is. Um, and I think that's clearly uh, relevant, and it was very obvious to me that in that second half, when we needed him to start making plays, he was having, he was having trouble seeing the field sometimes and having trouble reverting back to bad habits that he had seen before. And now that said, he was able to eliminate those habits in the course of the year in normal games in which he was had, there was less pressure on him to get those things done. Obviously now he has been in a playoff game. He has seen what it is like. We will not know what happens in the playoffs again with Josh Allen until he's in the playoffs again. You Mm -hmm. can only hope that he learns the lessons of this game and understands that just because it's the playoffs doesn't mean you throw out the rules that you learned during the regular season about, when to throw the ball, when not to throw the ball, when to dump it off, some things like that. I would also say it's not limited to Josh Allen. I feel like Brian Dayball in that insane stretch of overtime play calling where the only person who could touch the ball was Josh Allen and the receivers was completely bonkers. The Texans very calmly and concisely repeatedly ran the ball, knowing that that was a key part of their offense. The Bills did not give – the only time Devin Singletary touched the ball in overtime was on a catch. Um, And by all means, throw it to him, but feel free to hand it off to him too given that he had been the best offensive player pretty much for the Bills the whole day. Um, That was frustrating. Obviously, the receivers had some issues with drops. Um, The defense still a little bit soft at various points that I think you could put up to a little bit of conditioning and a little bit probably feeling the pressure in the second half on some things. Um, But first and foremost, Allen, as the guy, as the guy, the straw who shares the drink for the offense to a certain extent, was very much a, a negative. Now, again, I'm not saying... That that's forever. Just saying it it is a it is a concern. Hopefully it will get better. Um, but that that to me was one of the reasons that this this game ended the way it did. I I am ready to push back now. I'm gonna say all that all that is true, and he got the Not team back that, and tied them. He he was the guy, and he overcame Quentin Spain and Deion Dawkins just sort of having a lunch break in the middle of a handful of plays there, uh, including like. At the end, when he gets crushed on those sacks, and I don't know, there didn't seem to be time to do very much else yeah, other than there was get your one, ass. There was one play, Frank, where they rushed three and dropped eight, and within literally two and a half seconds, all three of those guys were in Allen's face. And the all-five right. offensive line were like, wait, what? And yes, maybe the maybe the the savvier quarterback in that moment steps up and only takes a four-yard sack instead of a 14-yard sack, sure. But if you're also looking at Patrick DeMarco and Lee Smith as deep options, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to push you towards Hero Ball, which I agree uh, was a bit of a regression back to the old times. But also, I don't know. He's. I'm less worried about it because he he's played in big games that were. You know, everybody talks about this Dallas game and certainly the Pittsburgh game. Um, you know, I, I, I we it's good because we're going to end up talking about how much of this is Josh Allen and how much of this is the team around him. And it's 
season two of the podcast and Ryan Fitzpatrick all over again. But, um, you know, Tyrod Taylor, I'm sorry. I don't think Tyrod Taylor does this. Uh, there, there's nothing in throws T- the ball over Dawson Knox's head while he's running down the field. I'm sorry. There's nothing in Tyrod Taylor's DNA that ties this football game. I never saw Tyrod Taylor do anything like getting his team in position to tie and then win. I I just, I don't, I, you know, I never saw him. I mean, I guess he could have gone out for a pass. I'm sure he would have, but uh, I don't know. I, like the things that Josh Allen brings, the, the, the intangible leadership qualities, the, the, all the quotes after the game about how Josh Allen's our guy and I'd basically run through a wall for him. And I never saw Tyrod really engender that kind of care. And I never saw him, I never saw him do anything like this. I didn't. So with all his flaws, he is bringing some different aspects. Just to be clear, the field goal drive at the end of the half, Josh Allen scrambles right in for 20 yards, fumbles, call it a fumble, touched at Buffalo 48, Ball out of bounds at 47. That's play one. Incomplete deep right. Incomplete deep right. Pass short right to John Brown for 14 yards. Win. Incomplete short left. Incomplete deep left. Short middle middle to BZ for 10 yards, which was 10 yards. Very, very close to 10 yards. It's very close <laughs> to review. They were, it was, then, he, he got his 10. He, he got it. He got it. Okay. Then... Uh, Spike by Bajorquez, incomplete deep right, incomplete deep right. So that was literally th- two completions, a fumble on a run, and and uh, and yeah, and that that out of out of like ten plays. That's 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 what we're hanging our hat on for the the theory of why Josh Allen is is was doing. How well many times? Game. How many times did Josh? How many times did Tyrod Taylor do that? None. I don't know. None. None. We're saying none. No. Okay. I'm saying uh, go back and find the times that they were down by four. That was that was like the stat, right? The Bills would be down by a score in the fourth quarter, and they were like, he had like one comeback. He he was awful at it. I don't know. Right. Like some of that might be Dable. Some of that might be this team. I don't know. All I'm saying is I never saw Tyrod Taylor do it. Okay. So. Uh, Tyrod Court Taylor had, let's see. He had one target, I know, in five his at some point. Sorry, game-winning sorry. drives in four three years. Fourth quarter in three, in, in three years. And I don't think he was starting for that's all That's nice. Josh Allen did that this year. Okay. Josh okay. Allen did all of that this year. With Is the team better now then, or, or what do we think? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. All right. Okay. I, it's, I, I don't know. I guess I'm saying that, like, however you want to dissect Allen, part of the dissection needs to be he also did accomplish a lot of things during the game. That's so, also something that Tyrod Taylor did. I, he didn't, though. <laughs> I mean. That's okay. great. He had, okay. Okay. Pass reach. And I will of course take the middle ground between both of you and say <laughs> yes, like this please. is why we don't know he's Settle the fran- if he's the franchise guy at this point. Because truthfully what both of you said are is is true. Like Josh, he really 
played poorly in the second half of the game. He, you know, didn't make plays that were there to be made. They could have secured it. He got lucky on a couple of near interceptions. He showed he didn't really do anything to distinguish himself uh, in the second half from what Tyrod did in his first game. But also, he is 23 years old. He had six comeback wins and eight game-winning drives to his career already per pro football <laughs> reference. He made some phenomenal plays during the course of the game. He rushed for over 90-some yards and would have had more on that. He would have had a 100-yard day if they blocked on that last one. He made it, it flipped upside down on a touchdown reception, got up and spiked it. And there's room to develop and grow. Um, I will say, uh, if we're having this debate again next year, then Scott is probably right because after three years, we should really see exactly where he it's, is. And God, yeah, no, it, yeah, it's it, it's over next year. Yeah. The the training wheels are off. It's his third season. There weren't training wheels this year. He, I'm not giving him training wheels. I'm saying compared to all, all other second year quarterbacks and on a team in the NFL. No, that's that's my point. Is this year that 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 is the training wheels is compared to other second year quarterbacks. You, there's no next year. You don't get to compare them to other third year quarterbacks. You just compare them to NFL quarterbacks next year. That's the difference. He's an NFL quarterback in his third season. You don't get to at that point. He is who he is. That is my, that's my point. I'm not saying he can't get better. I think he can get better. He has clearly gotten better this year. So the slope is up. I'm not doubting that. I hope it continues to go up. I just don't, Seven, I just want to just, 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 you know, 17 of 37 for 134 yards passing in one interception. Do you know what that was? A, that was, a, go ahead. It's a Tyrod Taylor game. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, which one? No, his playoff game against game. Jacksonville. Yeah. So that's, that's okay. So he's already ahead of Tyrod Taylor in the postseason. With a playoff loss. They both have a playoff loss, and exactly. Allen has 100 yeah. yards Allen and didn't his, throw an interception. Didn't to, uh, Allen didn't have to see the way to Peterman at the end of his playoff loss. Because he got hurt? Yes, that's, but that's, I will also note one of, that, one of that this day in Bill's headlines I did not use today is the following. Tyrod Taylor is the worst passer I've ever seen in the NFL, says Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> so he had a really bad playoff game. Josh at least he, had some he had things a, he did well on he, Saturday. And, and that was a very good, that was a that was Allen, that was the best that was the best defense in the league that year. This was arguably then the allowed worst like defense. 35 points to Pittsburgh the next week, but managed to beat them. So yeah, I I'm just playing. I'm just being. I, no, I get it. But the, the, this was literally the worst defense left in the left in the playoffs. They scored 19 points. Yes, that's a problem. No three doubt. Star. All right, three stars. We're <laughs> Frank's done with this game. <laughs> I hate you both. I was more no, defending more... you. Yeah, I hate you for being spineless. And oh, I, okay. I... <laughs> we're just letting it all out. Well, now. It's, been, it's, been, it's been fun doing the what... podcast with you guys. <laughs> this is the worst heel faction I've ever been a part of. <laughs> Whatever, Seth. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Honorable mention. Um, I'm going to give it to, uh, to Bradley Roby, who had. Seven tackles and two pass deflections, which would normally be a decent game at the office. But boy, he dropped one interception that was right in his hands and another that was kind of down by his feet. Um, so that you're right there. Yeah, I'm good. Sorry. That, that was, was OK. I tried to uh, cover. It didn't work. No, no, no. That's that's fine. Um, 
so so honorable mention for him, honorable mention for Trent Murphy, um, six tackles, two sacks, the awakening of Trent Murphy in the last two weeks, a bit late for me. If, yeah. if, if, He's if, like, crap, I'm due $9 million next year. And if I get cut, I only get two of that. So I better show up. Exactly. I should try. I should try now. It seems a little odd, but that's okay. Um, I'll also um, say, uh, who was the other one I was going to give one to? Uh, honorable mention for Trey White. Um, he did a really good job on DeAndre Hopkins and the Texans in the first half. Um, and in general played a good game, um, but not quite good enough, obviously. Um, I will also give, um, I, I'm, I'm, I went back and forth. I'm going back and forth as to who gets the third star. Um, I will give this, the last honorable mention to, I'll give it to, to Jerry Hughes. I want to give him the third really? star. I would have given him a star. The, three sacks. Yeah. Three sacks. Yeah, but, but he he also had that offsetting penalty that killed. The, anyway, there was yeah. a pen, there was a personal foul that he had, and and the Bills lost. And he also like, because I, he blabbed on social media as having the Bills investigated this week. Yes, so. exactly for the ligament tears that he never mentioned or the Bills never mentioned. Oh, and, I didn't yes. I didn't see that. Don't tell me the story. I'll I'll look it up. But yeah, yeah. continue. Yeah. So as a result, I give the third star to DeAndre Hopkins, uh, six catches for 90 yards, including a big 41 yarder that that really put the Texans into prime kind of storm, scoring condition during the middle of the of the comeback. Um, he had gotten shut down for from Trey White, but they, they mentioned during the game that he had done a lot of his damage in the second half. And that ended up being the case. Um, obviously, he's just a tough cover for anybody. And he clearly has a connection with 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 Watson. And that that was, you know, you can. You know, the Bills receivers, you know, I, I'm on record earlier this year as having saying, you know, like John Brown is functionally a number one. You know, he didn't he, he, he wasn't quite there on Sunday. And I don't know if it's a size thing. I don't know if it's a chemistry with Allen thing. I don't know if it's the rest of the offense, whatever it is. There wasn't enough explosion in the in the in the offense on Sunday um, in the passing game. And it wasn't. And, and to a certain extent, you can put a little bit on the play calling. Maybe they needed to mix in the run more, whatever it is. But, you know, the Texans had Hopkins and the Bills didn't. And I think that was one of the one of the factors in terms of the the, the how the game played out. Um, second star goes to uh, Devin Singletary, who we did not talk a lot about in our kind of extended wrap up. But, you know, a guy who's now going to be going into, I think, your offseason is going to be probably like, I would say he's going to be off the board by probably the third round in almost every fantasy football draft at this point, because he just looks like a machine. He played great, huge national stage, no fumbles, uh, 13 carries for 58 yards, six catches for 76 yards on, on seven targets. I was joking. I was joking with myself. I was talking, I was thinking about this earlier. And I was like, you could give the second and third stars to Devin if they win this game. Um, because oh, yeah. he was just that he was just that good. And it was so frustrating to not see Dable get him the ball in overtime. Just kind of it literally is like Dable just assumed we were still in the two minute drill and therefore we can't run. And it's literally and it was he was that would have been the time that the guy who people can't tackle would have been very effective with a bunch of tired Houston defenders on the field playing in overtime. But we just couldn't <clears throat> just, did, just didn't turn around and hand the ball. 
Um, and it was very frustrating. But Devin had a great game nonetheless. The Texans routinely could not tackle him. Um, there were a lot of good like memes out there or memes, depending on your interpretation of of like the when Singletary literally had like two Texans closing in on him, both within three yards. They're all like they're all on the screen together, and then neither one of them tackles Singletary. And it's just and he gets out of it because he's just between the low to the ground, the shakes, the whatever. It was great. First star, Deshaun Watson, done. 20-25, one touchdown. Um, obviously, he got sacked a fair bit. Seven sacks for 28 yards. He also had 14 carries for 55 yards and the TD. Um, and again, like, Deshaun Watson's an older quarterback. He is just, he is, he is only another year or two away. And I'm not sure two years ago he could have put in a game like this. And he's lost playoff games before. That was not his first playoff game. He yeah. had been there before. And I hope that Josh Allen in two years is like Deshaun Watson. We're and we play a similar game. We're gonna win. We're not gonna. We're gonna win. Is not even probably gonna be close. Um, and that's where he has to continue to get to. I, I'm not saying he's definitely gonna get there. I'm saying he could get there. I hope he gets there. That will be better for the Bills. But I also don't want to assume that just because he's he has made improvements so far that those will continue to happen and that those are sufficient to where we need to, him to be to get the Bills there because Watson played out of his mind on Sunday. Admittedly, he was harassed early. The rush was on him, but he was, he was, he pretty much, I mean, he was all over the field. I mean, he was throwing, running, breaking the tackles, you know, doing whatever, the leadership, everything. It was, it was all there. Um, and, and good for the Texans, I guess. Um, I didn't give it to JJ Watt. Could have given it to JJ. Oh, so that was one. We didn't talk about that at all. We didn't talk about our extended JJ Watt. Think- yeah, Discussion. I don't know. Frank, you have any Has he been talked about enough? Possibly, maybe. Maybe that's what we want to just leave it at. Okay, fair enough. We had a lot of Facebook comments. We did have a lot of Facebook comments. We're not going to talk about, about the Facebook comments, Frank. <sighs> I'm breathing. I know dead air is 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 not is not good. Uh, but I'm pulling up the Facebook comments because I don't want to talk about JJ Watt anymore. While you're you're doing that, there was one. Uh, I think she's a Sports Illustrated reporter, Jessica Smitana, I believe is her name. Yeah, what she do? This will wrap up the uh, JJ Watt portion of the discussion because she had a brilliant comment during the game, which was what five days ago as I scroll through her Twitter account. Um, do, 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 uh, it was brilliant. I'm going to find it. Uh, Patriots. Nothing, nothing's better than a tweet than building up a tweet. Yep. I can read some, I have the comments now. I I mean, Steven posted a blog post and then Tom and Brian and Greg also, (laughs) Uh, came in with some thoughts. Um, yeah, you Steven, might as well go for it because I am having a just Dickens of a time finding what was a hilarious tweet that I'm sure she did not would not have deleted. But for some reason, Stephen wants to know if all the horse trading for Ellen seems worth it so far. I think we've answered that amongst ourselves based on our <laughs> conversation about yeah. this. I, I don't think we need to go anymore. Um, I, I will. I will say. I will say this. I will say. I will actually say yes. 
Like even uh, okay. even with the shenanigans that that we have seen from him thus far, based on his improvement, I will actually say yes. And I think he has improved our team in general. Uh, there is more potential with the team in general, and we needed to to figure out a long term plan. It was clear that they had moved on from Tyrod already. So once you've made that decision, you need to go somewhere else. And he's better than what we thought he was going to be um, coming out of the draft. So yeah. at least there's that. I'd, I'd agree. They'd be, they'd be still stalling and dragging through God knows what. And the tweet, say, by the way, was, sorry, go ahead, Frank. I was only going to say that the only re- that the devil's argument for saying no would be that you, you know, obviously could have had Lamar Jackson uh, if you didn't do the horse trading. So, or maybe you could have. Like, I, I guess I don't really exactly know what would have happened, but presumably you you would have been able yeah, to. Yeah, they so could also it, have Josh Rosen. <laughs> it, exactly. So in that sense, maybe. But you know, I I, I like him, and and at some point, worrying about uh, past money is dead money. You can't fix it, so it's gone now, and you can use that to look forward uh, and and make better decisions going forward. But. I don't think that's a concern with this. Now, what's this tweet that I got to hear so much okay, about? So it's Jessica Spatana during the Bills-Texans game said, programming announcement, if you change the channel to ESPN2, you can watch the national broadcast of Texans-Bills. ESPN will continue playing the Watt family broadcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's very nice. So that was that was yeah. all the lead up and it was worth it. And, and that's then good. She, after the game, she said, how does Deshaun not get the post-game interview? Because they interviewed JJ instead. Because ESPN is racist, that's why. Um, Tom, uh, Tom, longtime listener, uh, speaking of, says they were mentioning JJ Watt perhaps too much, but from where I saw it in the second half, every time JJ was on the field, Allen was under immense pressure. That's true. Every time he uh, was on the sideline, Allen had time. It doesn't matter that he only got one sack. He transformed the game once he was up to speed. Ah, oh, Tom, fuck off. I, you're great, Tom. I love you, but like, no, he was in Allen's face and hitting him after throws a lot, and I think Allen lost composure because of it. Yeah, I think we've we've probably gone through the whole Josh Allen well at this point. It's tough I, for us. To I, I, I will briefly say, I we, I I will agree with Tom. I'm sorry because I told him fuck off, and I shouldn't have said that to a listener, and I apologize, Tom. I meant that in a friendly way, and I hope you understand that after listening to us for so long. I'm just fed up with JJ Watt, and the problem that I had with JJ Watt, if you were on Twitter, was they kept saying that his sack changed the game at 16 nothing like they kept re they, they reformatted time to make it so that the sack somehow stopped the bills from scoring something uh and 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 that like he was the catalyst for them scoring as opposed to you know they ended up getting a field goal after that sack and were still up 16 nothing after the magical JJ Watt sack and so like it should have still been in in their favor but they they were so fucking hot from the beginning of that game to you know fillet jj watt and his coming back from an injury and yes my favorite christmas book is jj his fabulous sack yes his Uh, magic sack sorry yes and and so in a way tom i'm i apologize i'm conflating your facebook comment with my anger towards booger mcfarlane and the other guy who wouldn't shut the fuck up so, um, but I'm done. Yeah, I'm it done. was, it was a, it was a, I will say it was a big play. It was not, it was not a critical game changing play. I'm, I'm looking at the, now the win probability for the bills. 
was 94% on second and 10 at the Houston 14, followed by a Devin Sing, which was the, I think that was the Devin Singletary run for two yards to get us to third and eight. And then the sack of negative eight yards led to a 1.1% loss in, in, uh, in, um, Win probability. In win probability. So, sure. I mean, like, as far as a, a sack, yeah. I mean, that's that's a sack at any point in the game is is a sort of a big play in the second half of a playoff game. It's a slightly bigger play, but did it change the entire outcome of the game? I mean, probably not. Yeah. If the Bills, that's the thing. If the if if to go to to go to Frank's analogy. If the Bills scored a touch, not Frank's analogy, to go to the point on the the value of a touchdown at that point in the game, if the Bills score a touchdown to go up twenty to nothing versus kick a field goal to go up sixteen to nothing, that would be the thing. Now, obviously, we won't know what happened because we never did, but that was a that was the best that was the closest the Bills would really come to scoring a touchdown the rest of the game uh, until. Until late in the fourth quarter when they got down to the 20 and then you're like, you know, let's go 40 yards backwards. Yeah. Immediately. Which is another thing that we just really haven't spent enough. I mean, the Internet has spent a fair bit of time pondering how the Bills managed to lose 36 yards in two plays with this season on the line (laughs) on third and 10 in field goal range. But um, (laughs) and again, how much of that is Dable? Shouldn't a Dable just call the draw? Right. And one of those points and, and, and not, like, and not, and not on second down, given the ball to Frank Gore, who immediately lost uh, three yards from, from and uh, the offensive. And God. again, we talk a bit about the offensive line, just to be clear, the offensive line has gotten better. The offensive line is better. It has gone uh, from the, one of the worst NFL offensive lines to an average NFL offensive line. So if you're going into the yeah. playoffs with an average NFL offensive line, congratulations, you probably now have the worst NFL, the worst line <laughs> in the and playoffs. I think we, I think we said that, Last year, like, what could this two team do with just an average offensive line? And we saw we win ten, 10 games. That was our win, answer. Ten wins and go to the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Okay. And almost win a playoff game, really. So and the receivers and yeah, but yeah. yes. Okay. In part, Scott. Jesus Christmas. All right. <laughs> yes, I'm the worst. I have yeah, no good opinion. Want to drop an FU at Scott too? Maybe yeah, I'm just stop. angry. Look, I, I I haven't felt this way about a game in a long time. And I have unresolved issues about news about Scott that we haven't actually officially put in the feed that I'm sad and mad about. Um, Steven is is glad to see Duke Williams is active, and, and that was cool. He had a good game. He was out. Yeah, he had that key drop. He had some plays he'd like to have back, though. So uh, the drop it. on the, the fade, it would have been a touchdown. And he fit in. I, I think he fit into the team. He didn't look like a drag on the team. He, everybody had plays they wanted to have back. It does. It does kind of wonder what is the best for. I think. I think that the, the early. I think the week before I had said, "What is the best for wide receivers that we put on there?" And I'm not sure that there's a sufficient um, difference in the skills between Robert Foster and Isaiah McKenzie that makes them both necessary to be on the field at the same time. Um, obviously, they both have special teams value. But if you want the offense, it seems like Duke gives you some different things that those guys don't. So, Although yeah. something tells me Duke is next year's Robert Foster. And Brian says, Brian points out that Williams was one of the two touchdowns that, two touchdown attempts that Allen went for. Uh, another 
distinction yep. to Tyrod Taylor, if I may, that he, you know, threw the ball up for giving his guys a chance. Uh, but uh, Brian has a lot of thoughts. Um, many of them we've we've touched on. Uh, he agrees with Scott, though, that the, the poison confidence of Allen kind of went out the window in the, in the heat of the moment. Um, so that's there. Two good, uh, not great games gave us a thrill of a game. The one with a bit more talented roster and the home field won out. Ultimately, it's a missed opportunity and mistakes again lead to our downfall. I'm not sure if Allen will continue to improve or always be a frustrating nearly man, as he calls him. Quote, okay. nearly man. I think that, Brian, you may have, might have named the podcast. Because I like I like that phrase, nearly man. Um, Stevens sounds is not like a, a Pearl Jam cut track off like an early. Season. I am a nearly man. Uh, Steven says he's not a big fan of Dayball, but I would rather keep him than lose him. Starting over with a new OC seems to me like the worst option. That's a good question because I wanted to get to that. Yeah, I'm glad that came up. Not to jump in on you, but well, I you definitely did just jump in on me. Go for it. You you. No. you You've you've been the heel. Too late now. Yeah. No, it's too late now. You're all right. All right. So, Dable, we often look at his very questionable decisions, and Scott, in terms of play calling as a game goes on, and Scott noted right off the bat the the overtime and how ridiculous that was. But this is also the same guy who, you know, is helping develop Josh Allen into a guy whose pers- completion percentage went way up, whose interception percentage went way down, whose touchdown percentage went way up, who made generally smarter decisions with the football until the second half of Saturday's game for the most part this season. And who also with his, I will say his game planning and his opening scripting seems to generally be very good. Uh, I think some of his play calls are, are leave something to be desired. So I am count me on board with the, the group that's happy to have Dable staying while well, recognizing he like the younger players on the team also needs some things. He's, he's got to have some, he's got to work on some things this off season. I'm okay with him going. I am in a position where I, I look at Dable, and I think I agree with a lot of what you said. I think he does some really good things, and guys do get open. And he was he is really great. I, I would say that his good strength this year was not being locked into one way to play. And he really sort of um, experimented a bit. I think Scott even said it the other week about, you know, he's – He's maybe too much of a mad genius at times, and that can that can hurt you. And and maybe I think a little of that happened um, this year, you know, th- sorry, this game, where he he clearly outthought himself a bit, especially in the overtime when he could have handed it off. And I think that there might be a place where now who's to say if they improve the talent across the board on the team, maybe he can do a lot more with it. And I'm fine with that. But if he goes to Cleveland, I don't know. Like, I, I think that you should be able to, like, the next step needs to be the talent. The talent needs to step up and say, okay, we're going to execute plays. And I and I think that provided you just, you know, you don't get Turk Schotner in there uh, and you get somebody reasonably competent, you should be able, and you, you find somebody who's capable of uh, working with Alan's talents, and there's hopefully a handful of guys that are that are capable of that, then then it's okay. Right. Um, and right now, Turk Schoenert is working with James Hardy's talents wherever they have. Oh, to be. that's right. Well, yeah. What is this? Bills and beers. We got to say Turk or uh, James Hardy every episode. Yep. Uh, and make sure to point out that he's dead. That's yep. Lars has to make sure to get that in there. So. Well, Suge forgets every tea every week. Um, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on 
on briefly i will i will i will say i don't i don't want him to leave i wouldn't be surprised if he was i like i mentioned i wouldn't be surprised if he also was a bit under pressure thinking that boy you know if i can really you know be too clever by not too clever by half but too clever by three quarters then i'll definitely get the cleveland job and Mm -hmm. that'll then that's my that's my that's the nfl head coaching job he's He's a young guy to get a head coaching job at, you know, late 30s, early 40s, whatever he is. That's that's a pretty big achievement. And that's a huge deal for for him to try and get. I could see that being in his head, in addition to even a normal amount of pressure that would be in an NFL offensive coordinator for a playoff game, which is which is pretty high. So I could see that being a thing as well. And I think that may have affected some of the things and i would hope that with some self-scouting he can recognize this tendency of too clever by half or or getting falling in love with the pass game and not enough on the run game i think he can get better i would be disappointed and i just again it's probably just being a scarred bills fan of like all i I would put him ahead of pretty much all the offensive coordinators we've ever had on the team like greg roman for a little while was doing some good things i thought i thought he was okay um you know, I think he was a bit of a, a sacrificial lamb or a goat. What is it? He was the goat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was he was the guy who took the fall for Rex Ryan when Rex Ryan was freaking up. Yeah. It would have to be your bull. Right. Yeah. Um, and yes, after they'd scored 34 points and lost to the Jets and they fired the offensive coordinator. Right. Yeah. That was the one. Yeah. It's just. Mm-hmm. So, like, other than that, I'm struggling to think of an offensive coordinator who would have been like, yes, I'd rather have that guy than Brian Dable. Okay. No, that's 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 a lot on Dable. And I, I, I don't know that he's going to get the job. He does. Yeah, you know not. Yeah. We'll um, Greg is too emotionally wrung out for coherent thoughts tonight. So hopefully Greg has since put some thoughts together. Um, Stephen wants to know if it's too soon to discuss the off season. It's not too soon. It's strangely too late because we're an hour into this podcast yeah. already. Um, too much gore. Yeah, no, friends don't let friends run out. Uh, Frank Gore. Um, Ellen regressed to early season form, making bad decisions, not protecting the ball, running backwards to escape pressure, and the deep balls to DeMarco. Um, all things that we said before uh in the podcast and, and and echoed here on facebook which we do i we do i think and i appreciate the facebook people who 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 sign in and give away all your personal information to mark zuckerberg um just to let us know what you think about football so keep doing that um at facebook.com backslash beatles mny unless i can change the damn url somehow uh mny yeah. bills uh on twitter is where you can find us for the other social medias, we don't do any Instagramming uh, now, um, nor in the future, uh, unless um, one of our new foreign correspondents wants to take lots of pretty pictures and and make it. That's not no. my cue, Scott. No, no, I wasn't paying attention to what Frank was saying. <laughs> I, got, I got distracted by by. Um, an autoplay ad on the computer, so I apologize. But were you saying something about uh, me leaving? I would, yeah, <laughs> I was saying if I was saying if we had any new foreign correspondents that wanted to start an Instagram and take pictures uh, of Instagram. foreign lands, they they could, and maybe they'd want to talk about that now. But why? But why would I take 
I mean, I'm yes, I'm moving to England. Um, that is there that continues to happen, by the way. There was more well, well, here's the thing though, we that that was revealed on the podcast that was never aired. I see. So I felt yes. like we better get that. But it's like, yeah, there. but like I guess, but I mean, like it's not. Uh, you know, we don't really know what it's going to mean for the podcast yet. I mean, I think our intent is to keep doing it somehow. I don't know if we figured out all the logistics. There's, and even if we say we've got a plan now, it's not clear that we will execute said plan when it comes time to it. But right, um, that's fine. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, but why would I put Instagram of like foreign locations on a Bill's Twitter account? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I you know Instagram doesn't make any sense, so I thought that it would work perfectly. But isn't it just Facebook, but without the words and only photos? It's, it's Twitter for people who can't read, is what I've been told. So I see. Um, I don't know. Uh, look, I part of me wants to dig in on Josh Allen. Part of me wants to dig in on the the press conference with McDermott yeah. and McBean and and Bean. Um. And part of me says we're an hour and four minutes in and we should probably do this day in Bill's history and be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say briefly that I did like um, just in, we'll do it next time. But I did like that both of them said that the problem was they needed to score more points. And like the fact that they could address that head on and say, uh, yeah, no, we didn't score enough points that it wasn't we blew it at the end by not holding them off. It was. You know, the offense has been the problem this year um, better, but needs more improving. That was that was hopeful for me. That made me feel good about that. You know, that they weren't in a pigeonhole uh, of, of thinking. Um, and also that being uh, it took a specific example of something he did. He did wrong. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I've offered my thoughts on it now and I should open it up to you, too. But part of me is also like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's right. And and this is one thing, and I'm glad he's in the chair he's in, is because I wouldn't know what to do, because I'm not sure which guy, young guys you want to give playing, more playing time to and let them develop and be stars, and which you're going to just replace with better players. Look at, I went into this year thinking, all right, they need to develop Zay Jones and Robert Foster and Wyatt Teller on the interior <laughs> of the line. Right. Like I legitimately thought those things. Only one is with the organization and he's way down the depth chart now. So obviously they decided after a short amount of time to move in a different direction from those guys. So guys are talking about now, except for Singletary, like maybe Dawson Knox isn't in their long-term plans because let's face it, he were happy with his season. That would have been Charles Clay's worst season by far with the Bills, except for his injury plagued last year. Like Clay was a much better tight end overall, and we ragged him constantly because of the contract. Uh, or they looked to replace him at tight end. Brown, you know, and Beasley we've talked about is you know best tandem they've had at the Bills for the Bills at receiver in years. But is the best tandem the Bills have had receiver in years good enough in today's NFL? Maybe not. Maybe you need to get that superstar in the draft. And then of course, the one we know they're going to be patient with and stick with is Josh. And ultimately, that's who they will ride with. And I think they'll give him all the weapons they can next season and see how it goes. So I'm glad they're in that position because I would just want to I am so I am damaged goods by years of watching such inadequate Bills teams that when a 10 win team comes uh, aboard, I'm willing to give everyone more of a chance when, in fact, some of those guys need uh, to be replaced with higher performers when you have an average an offense that averages 19 points a game. I, I will I will try and briefly add 
I think I've, I think I've said this before as well. I only repeat the same things. I only have like six points that I make, and I just change which order I say them. Um, You'd be great on Buffalo Radio. <laughs> uh, I think this is this is one of those things where it's like I don't want to say it's easy to turn a six and ten team into a ten and six team because it's not clearly it hasn't happened that much with the Bills, and so it does require some talent. But I think the the true challenge is turning a ten and six team into a fourteen and two team or a thirteen and three team and a dominant team that you know gets first round buys and is stomping on people in the regular season. I think now, admittedly, I've got some recency bias here because obviously I've just seen the Bills do it from six and ten to ten and six. But I think there's this general. I think I would I would submit that in general there is a bit of a bell curve in the league. Of there's a lot of teams that kind of bounce around the middle class of they're in the playoffs one year and they're out of the playoffs next year, like Paul was talking about. And and depending on injuries or the schedules, they can vary between that kind of six and ten, ten and six mark. And then there's a couple teams who are really terrible and and can be consistently so frequently. For a while, the Bills did have some years like that. And then there's some really good teams that are just consistently good. And getting to that consistently good level means you have to know, make these tough decisions. Like, it's easy for people to say, like, look, their line is hideous. Just go get anybody, set any set of replacement players in there. And by God, if they're NFL on NFL rosters right now, it's a decent chance they'll come out better. But figuring out, okay, of the three guys we've got there, two might be able to get better. One of them isn't. Let's go out and find that position and replace him. And that's going to be the thing. That gets us one quarter, you know, one half of one win better. That's a really, that's a tougher thing to do. And I think that's where the test for Bean is. And again, I think he's done a, a really good job. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying that's that's another step. That's a different step that he hasn't taken yet. And I, it's very hard for to do that. So, all right, let us at an hour and ten minutes <laughs> do what I hope is still an abbreviated this day in Bills headlines because it was it was told but then sometimes it is. Paul I says that and then bit. some yes yeah, I was gonna say Paul says that and then he he like keeps working on it and and then it's it's better but you know anyway let's let's get to it and then we'll we'll get out of here yep all right so we'll uh, move through this quickly we have no game to preview womp womp so this will be it all right within six million dollars gentlemen with blank in Blank million in cap money. Brandon Bean needs to cash in on free agent signings. This is all the way back to January 9th of 2019. So think way back when to January 9th of 2019. Happy New Year, everyone. And also, this podcast can go by and we didn't mention Lorenzo Alexander retiring. We love you, Lorenzo. Yeah, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of Bill stuff that we didn't get to, yeah. and I and he he turned into a great player. Uh, I'll say. 400 million i will say 40 million uh boy you both were way off in so many different ways 90 million is the correct amount so almost the same as this year he had oh. uh going into last year's off season so well there you go yeah, he does the same all right 2017 three years ago uh bill's meeting with seahawks defensive coordinator chris richard in seattle he is the fourth coaching candidate the Bills have met with since firing Rex Ryan, general manager Doug Whaley, along with owners Terry Kimpagula, and director of player personnel Blank have also met yeah. with Carolina 
Offensive coordinator Sean McDermott, Bills interim coach Anthony Lynn, and Arizona offensive coordinator Harold Goodwin. Defensive oh. coordinator, one might say he was with the team from 2013, and then he was dismissed with Whaley. Uh, Jim Schwartz? You got the right first name. Jim Overdorf? Overdorf. You know, good guess. This one had the... Jim Bob of, Cooter? For those of you who like bad movies, this one has the Hands of Fate. Jim Manos? Yes, yes. Good job, Scott. Wow. Okay. Six years director player. Expecting a Manos reference, but I'll take it. We had a lot of gyms, I realized, when we went through that segment in our front office. Second, you said Overdorf. I'm like, oh, that would have been my guess. Um, I hate that when you're in an office and there's too many guys the same name. Yeah, that matters. We have four Nicoles in my department. It's it's all right. Bill's blank seeking a market rate contract. This is 2015. Says so. How much should team owners Terry and Kimpagula expect to pony up? A look at contracts for comparable players suggests a five-year deal could average more than eight million dollars, with somewhere between twelve and twenty in guarantees. Uh, this article was absurdly on point. He got five years, forty-five million dollars, so nine million a year, and seventeen point six two five million in guarantees. Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes. Well done, Scott. All right, a little tougher now. 2013, Syracuse football offensive coordinator Blank will join Doug Marone in Buffalo. I was thinking about him when Scott was talking about incompetent offensive coordinators. I think he went to Jacksonville, too, with him. I'm pretty sure. He might even still be there. Yeah, he did. And he was Naseeb's, he was Naseeb's uh, coordinator at Syracuse, right? He was, yeah. He's their coordinator in 2011-2012 when Nassib was there. Went to the Jaguars to be their QB coach, then their offensive coordinator. Wow, I did not realize this. He is currently the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. Huh. Huh. He's younger uh, than I am. That's also terrifying. No yeah. idea. I'm trying to remember even if I remember the Packers' current coach since McCarthy got fired and went to the Cowboys. He's in now. Dallas, yeah. You guys have a favorite comedian named Buddy? Hackett? Nate Hackett. Yes, Nate, Nate Hackett. He was, the, he was with Marone, okay. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. All right. 2010, blank accused of stealing $20. Oh. So, terrified of him. He threatened her girlfriend who tried to retrieve the money after he robbed my wife, Crawford said. He thinks he's above the law because of his status as an athlete. Crawford. Crawford's not the player. That's the, uh, the spouse. Um, yeah, uh, I don't want to give too many hints other than what. Remember, no, but you're on the right path. This this is a guy who will be playing this weekend. Marshawn? Marshawn, yes. Yeah, that sounds like one of his antics, doesn't it? Right. Okay. This is one of the guys who kept getting, who got kicked out of a Buffalo bar permanently because he kept ordering Cokes and sneaking in his alcohol. So, yeah, that's a Marshawn thing. All right. When Marshawn can afford the alcohol. Yes, anyway. that's what was hilarious. This was after his big rookie continent. Yeah, it's, that's, that's what makes it hilarious. All right. 2004. Donahoe looks closely at coordinators. Donahoe is strongly considering blank who develops such stars as Curtis Martin, Ben Coates, and Tom Brady. If new England, which has 14 and two, which has home field advanced throughout the postseason, advances all the way to the super bowl on February one, Donahoe said he'd be willing to wait it out. McDaniels. No, no. Romeo, Romeo Cornell. 
Uh, he was defense. defensive. Yeah, this is going to be an uh, offense guy. Charlie Weiss. Yeah. Charlie Weiss. Charlie Good Weiss, job, Frank. Yeah. All right. Uh, 2001, there were some headlines about Wade Phillips on this day, which I thought about bringing up because he was just told by the Rams this week that uh, he was not going to be retained as their defensive coordinator. But instead, we'll go with this headline and see if I, before I give any hints if you guys know where it's going. All right. Blank signs new contract. Miami Dolphins OC Blank signed a two-year extension on Monday with the Dolphins. It had been rumored that if Tom Donahoe was hired that he might seek to bring Blank into the Bills staff. That rumor is now squashed unless Blank is offered the head coaching position or assistant head coach. Miami offensive coordinator. He's, uh, I'm trying to figure out what to give hints to give now. He'd since retired and then it just came out that he's unretiring. And going to take a role that he most recently had in the NFL. And that um, will be Charlie De- Chaplin. No, good guess. Uh, Dave Wanstead. Nope. Um, uh, he will be developing Sam Darnold in New York. New York as a quarterbacks coach. Or offensive coordinator. I forgot which role they've given him. I don't know. He may have been a Bills head coach for three seasons. Dick Geron. No. Jan Gailey. Uh, Jan Gailey, yes. Jan Chaley. Yep. Coming out of retirement now, and he will be the Jets offensive coordinator, uh, looks like, per the rumors that have come out. So uh, we'll see if that's oh, the case. Man, I'm terrified now. Oh. All right. Yeah, three, buddy. Three quick ones to go. Um, this one, uh, we have to reference it. Home run throwback or uh, the music no, city miracle happened. We don't have to mention that at all. I don't hey, know you know what? I'm going to skip this one. This is a lame ass headline anyway. Yep. Fuck it. 1993 <laughs> now. Uh, Bills 24, Steelers 3. This was the Bills' last road playoff win. That was the UPI headline. Uh, the Bills have been to the Super Bowl. And this, Frank, this is this is just really to me needle you here pretty much on this one. Scott Bills Norwood. have been to the Super Bowl the past two seasons. They are one victory away from returning after Frank Reich's two touchdown passes Saturday led a 24-3 playoff route over the Steelers a week after the Bills posted the greatest comeback in NFL history to get past Houston. It was their first road win since 81. Okay, some other details. Reich led the Bills back from a 32-point deficit to a 41-38 victory in Houston. He erased Pittsburgh's modest 3-0 lead with a one-yard touchdown pass to offensive lineman blank late in the second quarter. Gus Ferrat. You got the last name this time, at least. Oh, damn it. Oh, what was his yeah, name? Um, Jim, not Jim Ferrat. Oh, I, I swear Wait. to God, Paul. I, I know, it's been up. three weeks since he's been an answer, so I'm going to keep making him an answer until you can get the name. You got the last name, though, this time, so we're making progress. Uh, Mitch Ferrat. Mitch, Mitch Ferrat. There we go. I knew it. I This week I thought about him, and I said, <laughs> I swear to God, I thought about him, and I go, I've got to get I've got to get my Ferrat mis- memorized. Okay. All right. Last one. 1989. Crack open the bubbly. It sounds like someone is already. All right. Little bit um, of the bubbly. <laughs> blank. Leads Bengals past Bills. This is the day after the AFC title game. The headline. This is the New York Boomer. Times headline. Uh, no, but good guess. In an American Conference Championship game devoid of newfangled offensive gimmicks, the Bengals chugged along on old-fashioned running of blank today to beat the Buffalo Bills and advance to Super Bowl 23. Icky Woods. Icky Woods. 
That's yeah. very good. The Maybe big controversy so. into this game was that the Sam Weish, rest in peace, yeah. who later was a Bills uh, offensive coach, uh, had complained in the post-game news conference because they had changed the rules so they couldn't run their no-huddle offense. And then the Bills proceeded to steal that offense and make it their own within two years. So kind of funny, but you guys did well today. And that was the Stain Bills headlines for January 9th. When we come back, um, maybe next week, maybe the week after, we'll see. I usually um, do it after, between the championship game and the Super Bowl. So probably, if not next week, then definitely two weeks from now. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So as I said, if not this week, then next week. Uh, I like we, to we'll, things. Yeah. It's good, though. They make sure everybody's <laughs> listening. Um, we'll... <laughs> Scott Scott's beside himself. Um, he's like, I've got to get these dishes done, people. <laughs> I've got to get off the phone and finish cleaning these dishes. Um, no, we uh, look, we'll have a more in-depth review of how the season went, uh, what we make of Josh Allen, what we make of the head coach and the the, the coordinators and the, the GM. And we'll have a, a more philosophical, I think, approach to the game. Uh, to the season in a, a little bit. And then, you know, Super Bowl be over. Plenty to look forward to. You got the free agency on the way. It's it's all good, my friends. So we're going to take yeah, care Scott's of Scott's dishes will be done. Scott's dishes <laughs> may be done by then. Uh, I may have poured oh, myself some more alcohol. Are. It's fine. We've all, yes. I, I'm the worst defender <laughs> on this. Okay. So until then, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I, hey, look. Right. That's why we named it maybe next year. Eternal optimism or eternal. It's never going to happen. You decide. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.